In this episode, my guest is Vicky Gunn. She's an accountant who's worked in big corporates and the public sector. But recently, she started a business hiring out candy-striped beach huts. Sounds quirky, and it is. We chat about marketing planning, hiring experts, and how to brighten up industries and brands people perceive to be dull. Welcome to episode 127 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. And now here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hey there and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thanks, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate it. If you enjoy the podcast, can I ask you to do me another favour? Please share the Marketing and Finance Podcast with one, only needs to be one, of your friends or colleagues. Maybe send them a quick email or tweet them. It would be great if you could include the URL to the show in your mail or your tweet. It's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. It'll just help me spread the word about the podcast so that I can encourage more people to come on the show to share their wisdom, their ideas and their inspiration with you. So let's get into this week's interview with Vicky Gunn. We chat about how planning ahead for three to six months can accelerate your marketing output, communications and the importance of individual connections for making change happen, choosing experts to help you with your business, what to look for and the questions you want them to ask you, and how to brighten up your brand if you work in an industry people perceive to be dull. An experienced CIMA qualified senior finance professional, Vicky has a track record in delivering strategic finance and commercial advice to drive contribution to the bottom line. Having progressed her career through UK and international leading brands within both the private and the public sector, as an agile business partner and natural leader, Vicky has developed a strong customer-focused mindset. Vicky's great at influencing and managing complex internal and external stakeholder relationships. She's recently left the public sector and runs a successful company renting out beach huts, where each hut is a quirky, colourful experience appealing to families and beach lovers of all ages. So let's get right into that interview with Vicky, here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Vicky Gunn, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hi there, Roger. Tell me, Vicky, where are we Skyping each other from? Today I'm in Kirkcaldy um, in Scotland. I'm normally around the Kernisty area, but I'm in using a, a kind friend of mine's given me their office for today. Fantastic. Vicky, you have got a fascinating story to tell. And your background is accountancy and all sorts of um, business development. But recently you've started your own company and you actually rent out beach huts which is probably about as far from marketing and finance well it's as far from finance as it's possible to get but I think it's such a fascinating story I do want to talk about it but before we get to that we are going to have a business discussion and before we get to the business discussion maybe tell the listeners of the marketing and finance podcast a little bit about yourself what makes you tick Vicky? So for me, um, despite the fact I've had a massive career change, um, 
I'm kind of all about systems and processes and making things quick and simple and just really automating everything possible that you can do just so that you can focus your time on your business. And that goes right back to when I worked as an accountant, but also now as running my own company. So for me, it's that, it's making things quick and simple and just making it better, really. That's very interesting, actually, because I guess the discipline that comes with accountancy plays well into that uh, into that planning space and I, and I do know that you're an amazing planner and to give you an example for the people who are listening I attended an event at the beginning of the year where Vicky actually stood up on stage and taught us probably in only about 20 minutes a very useful planning technique for coming up with sales and marketing ideas and we were given um, great big um, flip chart pieces of paper we were given pens we were given post-it notes and within about 15 minutes Vicky had made everybody in the room come up with about 60 ideas for what could turn out to be blogs or videos or ebooks or webinars or anything like that and it was that sort of precision in planning which was a bit of an eye-opener for me because I I do tend to produce stuff off the cuff and I planning is probably one of my big weaknesses Vicky whereas you seem to be the master planner is that right Uh, a little and I guess what I would say is on paper yeah I love planning and I think for me it's the wake up in the morning I don't need to think about what I'm doing because I've already spent that time in advance planning it Mm -hmm. and it's not to say that it doesn't go wrong and on a Monday night I'm already behind or something else has happened but it's just always that fallback option I'm 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 just always in control. Mm -hmm. I know what I haven't done. I know who I haven't spoken to or need to speak to at any time and point. So, yeah, I I love a spreadsheet and a notebook and a to-do list. And a good old (laughs) 90-day planning cycle is my way of getting through things. And what would you say to people like myself who just planning like that is just either very hard or I'll you know I'll I'll go and find a dirty cooker to clean rather than do that sort of really detailed planning what would you say to people like me to encourage them I guess for me I'd say definitely get the cooker out of the way first because that would frustrate <laughs> me absolutely maybe plan that in once every so often but um I don't particularly enjoy starting to sit down and do it but it's the after so it's the giving it a try once try it and see the impact that it has to you and you naturally end up in the cycle so I I love my Monday morning planning time where I sit down and do my reports and my numbers etc because that tells me where I need to go that week and if I've missed something or if I need to do something else so I'd really just say to people try it once see what happens and just don't believe the hype in you're organized or an unorganized person i don't believe in that i mm-hmm. think that's an excuse uh-huh. i think it's the don't don't dismiss it before you try it and you might find out it does have a much bigger benefit to you than you thought yeah i think i came away from that presentation that you did at the beginning of the year and i immediately did what you'd taught us to do for my own content for the first six months mm-hmm. of the year and yeah you're absolutely right you spend that bit of time on it and then you can slot things into your diary you can slot things in for content creation whether it's video whether it's audio like this podcast or whatever it might be and it's in the diary and the time set and you haven't got that uncertainty and you, and you can actually just get on with it and it's a lot better than waking up in the morning and thinking okay what shall I do today 
Yeah, and, and and as I said, you can absolutely change. And I like you know, I've got my list of blogs that I'm doing over the first next three months, but it might change. I might not feel like it, but I know there's another idea there that I can just pick up and do without thinking about it. Okay, so thinking about your background for a minute, Vicky, mm-hmm. you, you, you've you been an accountant in fairly sizable organisations, haven't you? Give, give me a little bit of a flavour yeah. of some of the places you've been. Yeah, so I kind of going back years now, I, I was a good old finance graduate and I started with um, BT when I graduated. So yeah, worked um, BT, um, financial consultancy with IBM, I worked with Britvic for a period of time mm-hmm. and then ended up probably, I guess, in the largest public organization that people think of and went to the NHS so huge clunky organizations with lots of change and problems going on perfect for me that loves changing and fixing things a lot of people listening to the marketing and finance podcast obviously work in the financial services industry Vicky and large and clunky is a way that um, a lot of people would describe UK financial services are there any lessons that you learnt being in an environment like the NHS that you think are worth passing on to people who are working in similarly slow industries? I think there was probably a couple of things that kept me going. Because so, one of the things about working in a large clunky organisation or even trying to work with an organisation that's doing that. So if you're providing a service to them, it can be quite difficult to work with an organisation that's like that. And for me, it's about communication and establishing that not through email, not through, you know, a newsletter once a month or an update or a project plan update. It's about really making individual connections Mm -hmm. with people that are in the same place as you, that understand the need for change, have the same passion, whether it's about improving things or making it better for patients or whatever that kind of cause and real passion is just finding people that are in the same place as you and then together you find ways through it and do you think that actually what happens in big organizations like the nhs is you've got pockets of people who probably desperately want to make things better but they're not actually joined up with the other pockets of people who desperately want to make things better do do they need somebody to bring that sort of enthusiasm for change together are they just lost within the organization you're right and it definitely feels like that at time and particularly no when I was working in the NHS, I was working at Deputy Finance or Ever and Chief Finance Officer level. Mm-hmm. And I found that it was quite hard to influence change bottom up and top down. So you're trying to influence your directors and your boards, but at the same time, you're trying to influence thousands of staff in an organization to change how they've been working for years mm. and to act in a different way. I think for me, it's about Large-scale change has to be driven from a cause, so people Mm -hmm. need to understand why they're changing Mm -hmm. and what that impact is going to be. But I think there's other ways. For me, I used to pick up little projects and try and make little tiny changes because otherwise I I just couldn't work for a whole year without getting any sense of satisfaction (laughs) at all. So tiny little things, working on, whether it was working on a diversity programme for females in finance, because that was a a major thing that I, I would do, and just making little tiny changes on projects like that whilst working on bigger organisational change. That's really interesting. I think there's a there's a great um, anal- analogy, isn't there? The, the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. And <laughs> yeah. I think that's exactly what you've done. Sometimes you can't change the direction of the ship. 
straight away. You have to make micro adjustments and eventually the turning circle gets you onto the track and the direction that you want to go Uh, but it's like anything you've got to take it one step at a time and I think particularly when it comes to money you know when when you're thinking about getting help or trying to change something it's probably because something's gone wrong Mm -hmm. so it means the numbers are declining or you know you're starting to see signals and more often than not the whole organization doesn't notice till after you're in deficit or after the numbers have gone so bad Mm -hmm. and you can't change that overnight you Mm -hmm. can't just wake up tomorrow and suddenly be in profit or suddenly be making money it takes time to change that absolutely and one of the things we were talking about before we hit record Mm. vicky was that over the years you've gone and got quite a lot of external help in your roles and you've brought in experts whether they're consultants or whether they're marketing people or whatever it is to help you to try to make these changes and what would be quite interesting to do now is just maybe have a chat about that process that you've went through to get those external people to help you make those changes because again I think that People listening to the podcast tend to be running small businesses. There are people who work for bigger companies, but we all need from time to time external help, external experts. And sometimes it can be difficult to either validate those experts or decide whether to bring Mm. them in. And if you do want to bring them in, how do you choose them? Yeah, and I agree. So over time, I dread to think the number of consultants and individuals <laughs> that we've paid or worked with. And, and you know, you hear it afterwards. You hear, you know, a company's got an individual in to do a bit of work. And then three months later, they've employed somebody else to do a very similar bit of work again. And it goes on and goes on. So, yeah, so I guess in terms of our processes, it's, it's been it's been quite hard to see the wood from the trees. Mm. You know, you've got big companies bidding for work. Mm-hmm. And at the other end, you might be trying to appoint just one individual into mm-hmm. an organization, into a director's role or whatever that is. And it's been such a mix, you know, from emails to personal connections. And I guess the one thing I would say is it's been the personal connections that have worked. It's been those that have built a relationship over time, not just about the service that they're providing, but about generally what they do and how they can help that have had impact. Yeah. And of course, every day, and I'm sure this is the same with you, every day I must get 50 to 60 emails from people that I've subscribed to their list, which is fine, but I get quite a lot of unsolicited stuff as well from people saying, I'll come in and build a Mm. CRM system for you, or I'll come in and help you with your website. I'll come in and help you develop your business and find more customers. And sometimes I just delete these emails completely. I won't even read them. Sometimes, though, they will maybe just grab my attention. Maybe the headline is a good one, or maybe there's something in the body copy that makes me just think for a moment, and I might go to their website and have a read of it. How do you decide, though, if you are wanting to develop your marketing or you're wanting somebody to do your accounts or whatever it is, how do you decide which of the external experts are the ones to invite through your door? For me, it's probably a bit of a combination of things. So one, I really like it when talking to somebody that they don't tell me what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. And instead, they ask questions. Mm -hmm. And they ask what we've tried before. Why Mm -hmm. did we discount things? Why did certain things not work before? Why do we need help? And pick up the phone and ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And actually say, what's going on with you? Because Mm -hmm. they might offer something that we've tried. And Mm -hmm. for some reason or that process so definitely the 
if I was in your shoes, do this conversation doesn't work with me. Never mm-hmm. has. It's always been the what's going on with you and then working out the solution to that, which more than helps. It's just a much better conversation all Absolutely. around, really. Yeah. And then the other bit for me is sometimes it's about knowing somebody that they've worked with before or mm-hmm. recognizing a name. And nine times out of 10, I won't go to their website. I'll go to that person and I'll have a chat with them about it. So I kind of, an email that comes through with just this is what we do or with no testimonials or any information on it, that's a delete for me. That's always been a, okay, but actually, have you done anything like this before? Where's yes. your evidence that actually you're not a and you're you're not a 16-year-old in their back garden telling me that you can fix up my <laughs> IT problems because, you know, it's NHS broadband. That's just never going to work. <laughs> so it's that for me. It's some real evidence and not this i can make you six figures overnight real evidence numbers nitty-gritty and testimonials that are behind it that's really interesting and 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 again i think there's quite a lot of this going on at the moment where people just come in and preach to you i can turn your business into a six-figure empire within six months but what you've got to do is you've got to subscribe to my empire building course or whatever it is, and that'll cost you several thousand pounds. I do like the same as you. I like the people who don't come in and say there's a one size fits all solution because we're all different. Everybody's businesses are different, different locations, different customers. I mean, in this day and age, everybody can have a different customer base and there can't be a one size fits all solution for everybody. And I do like it when people sit down and, and, and talk through what you've tried, what's gone wrong, what's succeeded, what your ambitions are, where you failed, where, 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 where things have gone well, and then create a, a tailor-made solution. And certainly that's the way that I like to work with people. Because again, when you're putting together a marketing strategy, there isn't one size fits all because every business has a different customer base. Every business is solving a different problem. And I do think you've got to have that proper individual conversation to get at the right answer. But sometimes I just think that people think, no, no, Here's my solution. I completely agree. And actually, there's a there's a nice terminology that one of the GPs I used to work with on a governing body talked about. And he talked about kind of a father and child relationship versus a kind of sibling sibling relationship. When you're working with somebody, you don't want to feel like you're being talked down to from a parent all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You want to feel like a grown up having a conversation not just being pigeonholed into their solution. And Mm -hmm. that's just hugely important. Yeah, I I was doing a bit of work for a company last week. And for obvious reasons, I can't say which company it was. Mm. But it it was a bit of a strategy session. And we sat down and we wanted to get, I wanted them to create a strategy. And I guess that the initial part of the meeting, a lot of people were looking at me and thinking, well, we thought you were here to tell us what to do. Um, <laughs> why are you asking us all these questions? Why are you getting us to write stuff up on the board? Why, are, why is it all coming out of our mouths rather than yours? But then I do think that by the end of the day, everybody's thinking, actually, we've put this together ourselves. We can own this. And even if we don't invite him back through the door, we can take it away and we can we can work on it ourselves because we have been the ones that put it together. Effectively, I guess I was a facilitator rather than a teller. I think that's where, you know, we used to talk about this a lot within the NHS. The best ideas came from within. We Mm. might need some help to make it happen or structure it or just work through the mechanics and the politics and everything else. They might give us some help, but the best ideas 
came from that nurse on the ward. Mm-hmm. We just needed to find a way to make that work for them and help them cut through all the rest of the jargon and politics and chaos that would be around them to make it happen. <laughs> yeah, And that brings me quite nicely around to the fact that uh, obviously the accountancy profession has quite a, uh, a perception <laughs> of being quite dull and stayed yeah. and plodding you know there aren't that many accountants who stand out for their marketing but there are a lot of similarities between the accountancy profession and the financial advice sector and i guess other professionals like solicitors and lawyers and that sort mm. of thing in your experience vicky in an in an industry which is quite dull from the outside what can you do to brighten it up and make it more attractive to customers. Now, obviously, we've talked about the personal touch and talking to people and and coming up with a tailor-made solution, but any other tips you've got? I I think for me, it's, um, and this is an interesting one, because I also have an accountant. So I'm Mm -hmm. an accountant that has an accountant. Mm -hmm. And and quite regularly, when I speak to him or think about the service that I get from him, I'm kind of disappointed, because I'm thinking, (laughs) oh my word, you are a traditional accountant. You are the bog standard what the stereotype is that I would be ashamed to have an accountant badge on. You know, it's that thing where you go, oh my God, there's an accountant coming down the road. Let's cross the road and avoid them. They've got a grey suit on. <laughs> and and I feel bad when I talk to him. And for me, the difference with him would be absolutely that personal connection, as I said, but don't send me the standard update after the budget announcement. You know what I mean? Don't, don't just do a catch-all, look, we're on top of it five minutes later and send it out. 90% of that doesn't apply for me so yeah it's about tailor-made but um it's just being that little bit different be a bit different with your website don't just have the standard picture of you all in gray suits where who are you who who is rob behind my accountants who's the person behind it not just the technical how great you are at making sure I pay my corporation tax on time next month. Maybe it may be a little bit of an insight into what goes on behind the scenes. You know, do they actually go yeah, to the pub? Yeah. Do they do they go, <laughs> go out together? Or do they genuinely just go in every morning, plug themselves in and uh, churn out figures? I guess there is that, you know, I, I'm the same. I like to see the real people behind the grey suits. And I've been that grey suit in the past. Mm. Uh, and I do think that people like that human touch Whatever the profession, however dull it might look from the outside, I think bringing the human touch into it makes it so much more engaging for the customer. I completely agree. And for me, it's about that, you know, wear a grey suit if you want. And I'm sure I still have one in my wardrobe. <laughs> but, um, and don't confuse professionalism with with being a great provider of a service to somebody. So professionalism doesn't mean you can't share anything about your life. It mm. doesn't mean that you can't show a bit of personality, put an emoji, smile at the end of it like you know those those aren't things that you cannot do as a professional we're human just like everyone else and we like to chat and get to know people oh vicky we could do an entire podcast on this subject <laughs> I, I i wholeheartedly agree with you professional doesn't mean you have to use dull language passive language management speak and jargon being professional doesn't mean you can't have a laugh. Being professional doesn't mean you can't wear a really loud tie or a flowery mm-hmm. shirt or, or shorts. You've got to provide a really good, accurate service and you've got to add value to your customer. But being professional, to my mind, is being paid to do a good job and that's it. You know, the stereotypes that come with it are absolutely, you know, let's throw them out. Let's throw them out. 
Uh, yeah, no, I know. And you know, I'm somebody who working in the NHS and at that level, I used to do public governing body meetings. Mm. So our board meetings, we'd be in public and the public could come along from any organization or if they were a patient and sit in. So there was a perception that you'd have to do that. You'd have to show up in a suit, you'd have to just read out your report. And that that I couldn't act like that. It wasn't me. Um, my boards weren't going to get the best from that and the public weren't going to understand a single word of my finance report if I did that. So, no, it's it wasn't quite my approach either. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about your accountancy background and got some really good tips from you on planning and also how to look for experts to help you out with your business. But Vicky, you have recently undergone a massive career change um i would call it a genre shift as well you've gone from being an accountant to building a really quirky business around beach huts now that is a massive change how did that happen well i think some people might call it a midlife crisis (laughs) uh, it was planned well actually was it planned yeah no it was it was of course it was planned it just happened a bit quicker than i planned so i'd um you know what it's like you you work hard and in financial services there's no way you just do a small little job 10 to 2 every day and then you know are chilled so i um i just gone down to i'd hired a beach hut for a day and spotted a brand new development that had quite a few for sale so it happened by accident you know mm-hmm. i'm an accountant i'm not creative mm-hmm. i don't do these things you know i'm not spontaneous so I left the beach that day with a beach up under my arm, pretty much. Had been built, had to choose colours, and then within a couple of weeks' time, had started to research beach hut hire, and it kind of just grew from there. I'd kind of looked at what people were offering, and they were doing it well. Don't get me wrong, they were doing it well, but they weren't doing it differently, and mm-hmm. they weren't doing it with the personality and with a bit of them and their huts. They were doing kind of standard plain kitchen units with just a little bit of decor. So I, I just saw an opportunity really to do something different. I would describe you as the Willy Wonka of beach <laughs> huts because when, when I see your website and when I see the photographs that you post of your beach huts, that's the image that I get. You know that scene in um, in the um, Willy Wonka film, The Chocolate Factory, when they go into that the great big scene where everything's made out of something you can eat. It just looks <laughs> like it's made out of sticks of rock or it's made out of candy or it's made out of marshmallows your beach huts each individually have that image in my head of a great big sweet shop and it's just so engaging and so attractive and I can see why you've been successful because you stand out absolutely stand out amongst as you say all the other people who just have you know the Ikea version of the beach huts what 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 made what made you go along that path because it really is it really does stand out it is terrible because I'm actually now standing here thinking how do I do a beach hut in a sweet shop theme now (laughs) you might might see one coming and we'll have to call it Roger of course (laughs) (laughs) so uh oh I don't know you know what it was it was um we I'd bought on a private development and they were all uniform in terms of their style. Mm -hmm. So they all had the same doors, the same windows, the same roof. And I kind of felt like I didn't want to step on, it's weird, I didn't want to step on people's toes, kind of drove it initially. I thought, oh my word, there's already people doing this and they're doing it that way. I will look like I'm just copying them. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to copy them. I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. And And it escalated. So it became this drive around... 
actually I could get small businesses involved. I could make sure our walls are filled with decor from small businesses mm. and promote them. And it then became this thing around, well, I can't have a mum come and feel like all of it's for kids. I'll have to have some cat kids in China in them then. Mm. And it just grew from there about really thinking about how a beach hut was going to be used and how the day could be very different. I I want them to open up the doors and go, oh, yeah, this is a Millie's Beach Hut. Mm -hmm. and know it. And that's now the feedback that I get. It's the, we've hired another one, but we've hired yours and we, we know the difference and that's why they keep coming back. Yeah, you've created an amazing experience out of effectively what is a shed on the beach. Yeah. You've turned yeah. it, as I say, into a sweet shop or into into a magical fairy tale land or whatever it is. And uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs comes into my head as well when I see the beach oh. huts. Um, I think I think that that is that is so interesting the way you've created that experience out of something which is on the whole again quite mundane. And in, on top of the beach shuts themselves, you've created a remarkable amount of marketing content around the beach shuts. I think I read recently you've written, is it 200 blogs on the subject of beach shuts and related topics now? So, yeah, it's 200 bits of content. So kind of emails or ebooks mm -hmm. or blogs. It's a mixture of that now. Yeah. But yeah, it's quite scary thinking about it, how and, quickly and, that's all added up. And all that content that you've put together... And again, the website that you have is in the same style as the beach huts as you would expect. So it's colourful, it's candy striped, it's all of that sort of thing. That is generating so much traffic for your business, isn't it? People are seeing the website thinking, yeah. I want to hire one of these beach huts. It, it's, it's been unbelievable, the change. And I know a lot of people talk about marketing and content taking 18 months to kind of really catch on. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen for me. You know, mm -hmm. I I really started producing marketing and content in June of last year after the CMA Live conference. Mm -hmm. That's really when I started to do it. Mm -hmm. And within a couple of months, my website traffic tripled because nobody else was doing it. Mm -hmm. Nobody was doing basic, general, beach hut hire information. So it was amazing. You know, within three, four months, I had national papers contact me. So it, <laughs> It's just scary. I was thinking, and and that for me helped me leave my job. That was that was the confidence that I needed to make the leap. Really, was off the back of that. And and actually, what you've achieved here is not dissimilar to what we were talking about earlier on. You have the accountant who is the sort of the the perception of the accountant is mm. a very dour professional, grey suit, you know, a bit dull, just ch churns out figures, and you're saying. You know, to stand out, you need to change that perception that people have of that profession. Again, I can remember growing up in um, Lytham St. Anne's and they had beach huts and they were just, you know, they looked as if they hadn't been painted for years. There was bits falling off them. There were Some of them were made out of concrete and just looked like horrible toilet blocks. Again, you've taken something which on the outside looks quite dull and functional and you've just turned it into a really standout engaging experience and I think that you know whether you're a professional in an accountancy practice or you're a professional in a financial services firm I think there's a lot we can learn from these two experiences that if you find a way to stand out if you brighten it up in some way then you will engage with people and then if you build in a lot of good content marketing into it as well then you should actually have people queuing up to do business <laughs> with you. Yeah I, I completely agree it's the element of 
taking that little bit of an extra step and pushing yourself out there. It's scary. I I remember publishing my first blog. I remember publishing some of the contents that I was putting into the huts as well. And people going, why on earth are you doing that? Mm. That'll never work. People will break it. People won't pay that amount of money because I'm obviously the most expensive in my area. <laughs> and it's just been the opposite. It's been hard. You know, even my partner at the time said to me, I can't believe you're putting all this stuff into a beach hut. And I'm like, it'll work. I know it's going to work because it's what I'd want. And I know my ideal customer, but it's scary. It's just taking that first step. Just do a little bit something different and see how it goes and then try it again and again and again. And it's quite nice what happens in the end. I think we can all learn a lot from what you've achieved with uh, Millie's Beach Huts, Vicky. It's fantastic. Thinking outside of what we do day to day then, I always like to ask my guests on the podcast about a marketing campaign or it could be a product or it's something that's caught your attention. Maybe it's a TV advert or you've seen a shop somewhere. Something has made you sit up and think, wow, I really like that. Tell us what it was and what you liked about it. So I'm a massive Sun Jellies fan. Right. You heard the brand. So they do, um, they're very retro Mm-hmm. And they do jelly shoes, like you know the really like nineteen oh, fifties yeah. yeah, jelly yeah. shoes in the jelly bags. Uh-huh. And they're, um, I feel their marketing is done by stealth and very quietly and done in the background. Mm-hmm. So if you look at their Instagram account, because I'm I'm a massive Instagram fan. Yeah. Um, I do it for me. I don't do it for my business. I absolutely love Instagram. <laughs> I just love photographs. Um, they post regularly, two three times a day. They repost their products from customers, like their homes and their living rooms and everything mm-hmm. else. And they're so styled so well, if you know what I mean. Like you look at them and you just go, that is brilliant marketing. That is just genuinely, they're doing it quietly. They're celebrating their customers and what they're doing. And that's it. It's so simple. It's just, we're going to share everyone else's love of our stuff quietly in the background on Instagram. And it's amazing the success they've had. Have you read any business books recently, Vicky? If so, what would you like to recommend to the listeners of the podcast? So there's a book that I read just before Christmas, recommended by a friend of mine, Jack O'Brien, based in Australia. There's a company, a social enterprise out there called Thank You. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much have found a way that when you buy one of their bottles of water, that where all the money, the 100% has gone back in make charity work that they do. Mm-hmm. You can website and see exactly where that money's been spent. But the book is actually about their story. It's the story of how they started, how there was only one or two of them working so hard to become a bigger organization and there's and i won't spoil it but there are some brilliant examples of really tactical marketing it involves <laughs> helicopters and things being dropped in all sorts <laughs> to get the attention of big supermarket retailers so uh-huh. um it's it's definitely worth the reads and um It'll have you laughing and crying throughout it. Fantastic. Vicky, I'm hoping that people listening to the podcast are going to want to get in touch with you, whether it's to hire a beach shut or whether it's to get advice on how to uh, bring in some experts to help you with your business. So what is the best way that people should connect with you? So so Twitter's great. So I'm at underscore Vicky Gunn on Twitter. And obviously our my website is www.milliesbeachhuts.co.uk. And I'll include the links to all of that in the show notes of the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash 
M-A-F. Vicky, it's been fabulous talking to you this morning. I really enjoyed talking about the Millie's Beach Huts bit, even though technically that's about as far away from finance as you can get. But you've got to take the lesson from the fact that you've been so successful by taking something that on the outside appears quite dull and turning it into something bright and engaging and fun. Fantastic. Thank you, Roger. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the topics, apps and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. If you are a business person, financial services professional or journalist and have a marketing or finance story to tell, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's just thoughts and opinions, okay? Okay.